want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 for a couple of minutes. We'll read them first. It says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct, conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Just some, just some thoughts as an introduction, really to what we want to talk about this morning is wives being in such a way conducting themselves uh, with chaste conduct accompanied by fear pleasing God not uh, an, an outward appearance of not the hair and the clothes and the, and the, and the jewelry but pleasing God by the, by the way they conduct themselves. The hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. The old women, the women of old, I should say, uh, who trusted in God adorned themselves in such a fashion that they were not uh, outward appearance, but they were their chaste conduct, their good conduct. They were holy conduct. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I cannot read that verse without thinking of something Sid Latham told me several years ago. His wife, is Kim, is the daughter of Paul and Wilma Earnhardt. And so she is with them sometime, and I'm not sure when. And Sid called and wanted to talk to her. And Wilma, her mother, said, your Lord wants to talk with you. And I, I cannot read that verse without thinking of, of Sarah right there. That she has that right attitude. So I want us to talk about a lady in Scripture today. Uh, not anybody that's even in the New Testament. It's never mentioned. So it could be Sarah, but it's not. It could be Rebecca or Leah or, or Rahab. Or some some ladies like that, but it's not not any of those. Somebody you might not even suspect. But I want us to look at somebody with faith like Abigail, and how did she use her power? We'll talk about that power in just a few minutes. And I want us to turn with me, if you would, to First Samuel chapter twenty-five. Now we're not going to read all that chapter. You know the story, Nadab. You know that you know the story. So we're really going to skip a lot of information, but we're going to talk about that information. Um, I want us to think about some things first. David is in this story, and we know David. He's wise. We find out he's retaliatory. He's impressionable. He is anointed, but he's not yet king. And he didn't like being insulted. So, that we, so we have David right there. We have Nabal whose name means folly or foolish or fool, we know he's wicked. 
He's a descendant of Caleb. Caleb, one of the 12 spies that went into the promised land to spy it out. One of the two who was faithful. But Nabal, being a Calebite, didn't have uh, Caleb's disposition. He, wasn't the, uh, he just wasn't the same as Caleb. He's very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was, uh, is an awful person. He's hard and severe. His wife even called him, and one of the servants even calls him a scoundrel, which means worthless, Nabal. And then Abigail. She's the wife of Nabal. And she's smart. And she's beautiful. And she's wise. In other words, she's powerful. So what we want to look at is how did she use her power? You get a combination of smart, beautiful, and wise, you've got a powerful woman. And that's what she was. We want to look at her. Well, what happened? What's the story about? Nabal, let's read verse 2 of 1 Samuel 25 first. Now, there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. So this man's uh, sheep are off. And this is not sheep shearing time just yet. But David and his men, his 600, they are protecting Nabal's flocks. Nabal doesn't know anything about this. But he's, he's protecting their flocks. And during that time, they were a wall between any harm that might come to them. They lost nothing. Nabal's men uh, lost nothing. And so when it's sheep shearing time, David sends 10 young men uh, to Nabal and asks them, you know, to you know, give them something that would uh, sustain them. They didn't have enough to take care of themselves. So was Nabal thankful? Well, verse 10 and 11 lets you know that, uh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't thankful. Let's read 10 and 11. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who are breaking, who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to the men when I do not know where they are from? So he knew who David was, son of Jesse. He knew who he was and probably knew he would be king. We'll talk more about that in just a little while. But Nabal implied that they were nothing more, David and his men, than nothing more than rogue slaves broken away from their master. And so it's sheep shearing time. And that occasion was a festive occasion in which generosity was supposed to be present. If you re remember the story of Absalom, uh, when he wants to get tam uh, Am Amnon, when he wants to kill him, they're having the sheep uh, shearing, and he invites all his brothers and sisters up there, Amnon being one of them, and his ulterior purpose is, well, they're going to party. They're going to have a good time. But the real uh, purpose was to kill Amnon. So I think that's Second Kings 13. So th that was a time when normally it was a festive occasion, and this is that's the case during this time here. And that's why David and his men go, because they expected from what they had done 
that they would receive presents or gifts from Nabal. Um, let's read 1 Samuel 25, verses 12 and 13. He's not giving, Nabal's not giving any money, uh, or any, any uh, food or anything to David's men. So David's, in verse 12, so David's young men returned on their he- turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. So here comes David. He's gotten his answer that his t- ten young men gave him. He's gotten the answer. Put your sword on. Get your sword. Get ready to fight. And David also got ready to fight. He's 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 going to. He said, "Well, he's going to take four hundred of the six hundred men with him." That should be a scary thing. These four hundred men. These are not just four hundred just guys. These are some of his mighty men. You can read about that in Second Samuel twenty three verses eight through thirty nine. Well, it describes some of the deeds that some of these men had done. These are bad guys if you have to fight them. And so that's who's coming. That's who's coming for Nabal. If you look in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 25, this is what David told his young men, part of it. Ask your young men and they will tell you, therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we came come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servant and to your son David. So David shows him great respect, belittling himself in effect and calling him your son David. So Nabal is in a in a better position right now. Uh, at least that's what he tells him. So he shows respect for Nabal. But Nabal did not return the favor. Nabal insulted him and David's coming he's retaliating I told you he's retaliatory he's going to get him and not only is he going to get him he's going to kill the whole household all the males they're as good as dead when David gets there so that's what we have going on now Abigail is proactive she's not going to allow this to stand if she can help it First King, uh, First Samuel twenty-five, verse eighteen, beginning. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and loaded them on her donkey on, on donkeys. And she said to her servants, "Go on before me. See, I am coming after you." But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them what did she do her servant had told her what had happened and she said uh oh so she made haste she this is not any time to waste and know what's going to happen people are going to die if she doesn't get there quickly she doesn't head this thing off that household is going to be ruined. It's going to be, all the men will die 
what will happen to Abigail and all the rest of the ladies? So she loads up the 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 bread and the wine and the five sheep dressed in the, the bushel or more of roasted grain is what five seas is. A hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, all of this uh, she loaded up for them to assuage their anger because he's hot. Loaded them on the donkeys, sent her servant to them ahead of her, tell them we're coming, and she didn't tell Nabal. So she is being proactive. She wants to head this off before who knows what will actually happen to her when all this thing is done. Now she's met him. And what I really want to do is read 1 Samuel 25, verses 23 through 31. It's rather lengthy, but I think it's well worth reading. 23 through 31. Now when Abigail saw uh, David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. <coughs> Excuse me. So she fell at his feet and said, oh, me, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let, my Lord, uh, please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord when, uh, whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be found in the bundle, shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. So that's what she says. She handles this situation the best way that she can. It's interesting. Here's a rich woman, wealthy, wife of a wealthy husband. She's in trouble. She falls on her face and bows down to the ground. That would be, that's, I think of when I read that in scripture, I think, you know, that'd be hard for me to do. We just, I just, we're not accustomed to doing that. It'd be, that'd be hard to do. You would have a hard time doing it, I think. On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. She's taking the blame for whatever it is that happened, for all that happened. She's taking the blame on herself, not on Nabal. Let it be on me, all this. And don't even pay attention to this scoundrel Nabal. 
she again reinforces what, how, what kind of man he is. He's worthless. He's folly. So don't even pay attention to him. I, your maidservant, did not see your young men whom you sent. He, she, she puts herself as a maidservant, not as a rich man's wife, not as a beautiful woman, not as smart. Not, I'm your maidservant. And I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know this was going on. The implication, I think, is if she had known about this, she would have taken steps and this wouldn't be happening at all because she would have given David's men something to take back to them. But she didn't know about it. In verse 26, part of it says, Since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. The Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed. He, 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 he stopped this. And from avenging yourself. Now this present, which your maidservant has brought, give it to the young men. So she's done everything that she can do. She's taken blame. She's humbled herself before this man whom she probably, uh, it's it seemed that, that when you reign, when you're going to be king, you, she knows. That's why I said David knows. So she brings all this to him. There's some other things I want to say, but I don't want to get to it right now. I got them later on. But anyway, in verse 28, she says, Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Again, forgive the trespass of your maidservant. What did she do wrong? Zero. Nothing she did wrong. Again, she's taken the blame. She understands that David's house will be an enduring house. I'm not sure how enduring she knows, but she knows it will be an enduring house. And she knows David's state of mind, his disposition, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And evil is not found in you throughout your days. She understands all that about David. Interesting. <clears throat> Verse 30 and 31, when you are ruler over Israel, this will seem like a trivial matter. It'll be no harm to you. And you would, have shed, you would not have shed blood uh, without cause. So she knows that this is not worthy of death. So she's taking that anger from him. But when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Don't forget me. So she's taken full responsibility for what happened. She's taken it all. And when you're a ruler over Israel, I mentioned that Nabal probably knew that. He knew David was the son of Jesse and all this. If you look in, in 1 Samuel 24, verse 20, Saul is telling David, And now I know indeed that you surely shall be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hands. He speaks that plainly, out loud, and other people know that, and so they're not going to keep quiet. I mean, it's just human nature. We're going to talk. And so that's how... She probably found out from that speech that 
David's going to be king. And so she knows that. Nabal probably knew that, but he's just a worthless rogue. David and his men in Nabal's eyes. So when you're, old, uh, when you're ruler over Israel, this will be just a trivial matter. This won't even be worth a second thought if you don't do it. So she's taking full responsibility. Now David has some things to say. So let's look and see what Nabal, uh, David said to Nabal. No, no, David said to Abigail. Verse 32, beginning. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. I think it's interesting. First thing he says is blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you to me this day to meet me. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. Blessed is your advice And blessed are you. Interesting. He knows she's told him the right thing to do. He knows that. Still something I want want to keep saying, but I've got to wait a minute because it's on another, another chart. You have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. The Lord kept me back from hurting you. He may not have hurt her physically, but he would have hurt her if all the males in that household are dead. And who knows, she could have been hurt physically. Go in peace. I've heeded your voice and respected your person. He has shown favor to her. Respected your person. That's what that phrase would have meant. But that word respected is an interesting word if you just take it by itself. Because one of the definitions is you have caused to move up or lift up an object to a higher elevation of any amount. So she, you cause something to be lifted up. It sounds like to me that she has brought David from here up to brought him to his senses, if you were, if, you, if it were, that he was headed to do the wrong thing and she changed his mind. I get that from that word respected. Cause to move up or lift up an object to a higher elevation of any amount. That's what a wife can do. That's what a woman can do for her husband. Can bring him up to where he needs to be instead of where he was going to be. Abigail's pretty smart. She saved her life, her husband's life. What about Abigail's power? She changed David's mind about taking vengeance. Reasoned with him, if you will. And changed his mind, brought him up to a better place. She saved, as it were, she saved David from himself, from doing something 
that was not totally right. So that makes it wrong. She saved him. She was fearless in the face of possible death. She doesn't know what's going to happen once she runs into David and he's got his men coming. She, she doesn't know. But she's, she's just not afraid. Well, she may be afraid. She's fearless, though. She's going to do what's right. She can change a man's heart. She's godly. She's humble. She's humbled herself. She bowed to the ground with her face to the ground, fell on her at his feet, and she take, took the blame for all that happened. So she turned David back to the Lord from where he was going. He's now thinking different things. So it shows great faith in, by her and by David for listening to her. In verse 39... The phrase, it says, blessed be the Lord. He has kept me, kept his servant from evil. David knows what he had planned is not right. And this woman brought him back. She changed his mind. The vengeance was not taken. There's some practical things that we can learn from Abigail. Abigail... Uh, did some very good stuff here. In Matthew 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Which man or woman, it doesn't matter. Let your light so shine before men that they, may, they can see how you live. They can see the way you are. And what's it going to do to bring glory to God? When David, when she finishes talking, David says, in verse 32, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, and blessed is your advice. He glorified God. He praised God for what she had said to him. Her light was shining, and David's glorifying God. David is not the hero of the text, but Abigail is. She's in a predicament. But she figures out a way to get out of it the right way. And she helps David not commit this sin. So she's wise. She took the blame for all that had happened, even though she didn't know at the time that it happened. But she didn't try to justify herself. Well, I didn't know anything about this. What can I do? No, she just did something. She did it. She is... The opposite of Nabal, she showed great wisdom, and he is, his name indicates folly. And there are some commentaries who think it's really not his name, but that was what he was called. Uh, but she calls him that, so I'll take it that is his name. But she showed great wisdom, but not he. In verse, verses 26... 28, 29, 30, and 31. Six times in her statement to David, Abigail used God's name, Jehovah's name. Six times. Wasn't all about her. It's not about I, I, I. It's look, look at God. He brought me to you. As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, since he's held you back from, from this bloodshed. In verse 26. 
verse 28, please forgive the trespass of your maid, sir, for the Lord will surely make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. Evil is not found in you throughout your days. Verse 29, yet if a man, yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the, with Jehovah your God. In the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. In verse 30, And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. The Lord doing all this. In verse 31, Until then... <clears throat> That this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart uh, to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She kept bringing up God over and over and over. And she has flipped him around from doing evil to doing what's right. How do we know it was evil? Look what David says in verse 39. So when David heard that Nabal, I better get to the rest of the story first. He tells her to go home. She goes home. She's going to tell Nabal, but they're having the party. He's drunk. She's going to wait till he's sober. The next morning she tells Nabal what's happened, what she's done. And it says his heart died within him and he became like a stone. And within about 10 days, God killed him. God took him in verse 38. Then it happened after 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. And so David says in verse, or we read about David in verse 39. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. And she became his wife. And she's mentioned two or three other times, along with Ahinoam, another of, of, his, of David's wives. But, they, but uh, David says, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal. Look what God's done. Has kept his servant from evil. Look what she did. Look what God did. David understood something. Now he understood something anyway. At the latter part of verse 39. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. I think what David is now reminded of is the Lord's place to take vengeance. It's not his place. He's not to retaliate. We're not to retaliate. We're to be like Abigail. Let's settle this another way. Force is not always the answer. And so he proposed to her to take her as his wife. And she agrees to it. Sent young men to him, to her, and she accepted. <coughs> and she became his wife. She arose in verse 41 when they told her, and she rose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servant of my Lord. 
she's going to act like not a, not a king's wife, but she's going to wash his feet. She didn't try to justify anything, but she did change a man's heart. That's what a good wife can do. Can make a husband a better man. So guys, we need to be more like Abigail. We need to be easy to get along with. To have a bad day, leave it wherever it was. That's about all I have to say this morning. I appreciate your listening. We are going to sing a song here, number 319 here in just a moment. If you've not lived like Abigail, if you've not had that disposition, it's a good time to make it right. You've never been baptized to have your sins forgiven. You can do so now. Or if something's wrong in, uh, in your heart, you can have that fixed too with prayers of the saints. So if you'd like to come forward, why don't you do that while we stand and while we sing?